Welcome to Temple Geeks Who Review, a Doctor Who-inspired podcast for fans of the long-running British science fiction television series. I'm your host, Elizabeth, aka Lady of Time Cosplay. We're massive Doctor Who fans here, and we're here to talk about all things Doctor Who. Throughout our series, we'll be discussing the latest episodes, the classic series, spin-offs, and everything in between. We'll also be bringing you interviews with people who've worked in and around the series, behind-the-scenes information, and all sorts of other Doctor Who-related fun. Today, we are going to be discussing Season 1 of the 2005 revival of Doctor Who, starring Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper. And with me today is Dana. Can you please introduce yourself for everybody? Hi, I'm Dana. Uh, you can find me on the internet at a bit meddlesome, and I am a writer, freelance writer for Temple of Geek and 1883 Magazine, etc., etc. <laughs> All right, so let's delve into the news. Like I said, we got some extra stuff because we missed last week. Um, So let's talk about it. So the Decade Collections book, as part of the continuing celebrations of Doctor Who's 60th anniversary this year, a series of six books covering the six decades that the show has been around will be published on October 26th this year. Each book is set in a decade from the 1960s to the 2010s, though the Doctor featured in each story doesn't necessarily coincide with the decade their episodes were broadcast in. Here's the titles, authors, and doctors featured in each book. Imaginary Friends by Jacqueline Rayner, featuring the first Doctor in 1963. The Cradle by Tasha Story, featuring the 12th Doctor in 1978. The Self-Made Man by Mark Griffiths, featuring the 4th Doctor and Romana in 1984. Wannabes by Dave Rudden, featuring the 10th Doctor and Donna in 1994. Monster in the Cupboard by Halen Bayron, featuring the Ninth Doctor and Rose in the 2000s. And then The Angel of Redemption by Nikita Gill, featuring the 11th Doctor in the 2010s. And all six books are available for pre-order now, which is very exciting. I don't know if you read any of the like synopsis yeah. for those books, but they all sound really good. No, I, I haven't had the chance to, but I mean... There's a couple cool ones. I, I, I think I saw you being excited that there was a foreign Romana book coming, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited for that. I think also the 11th Doctor one, mm-hmm. the Angel of Redemption. I mean, we all know the 11th Doctor's history with uh, the angels. So that should be interesting. Because it sounds like it's like going to be from the perspective of the Weeping Angels, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, it says a poem of tragedy. The Weeping Angels are an ancient race of terrible power. Their true form is a mystery. They wander the universe, cursed never to see one another. But they see everything else, the course of time and space, and even the journey of their deadliest enemy, the Doctor. One angel is different, though. One angel looks through time and space and sees so much more. So that sounds really intriguing. Okay. I have to get that one. I don't know if I'll get all six of them, but for sure very interesting in that I think I might have to suck it up and get all six <laughs> they're gorgeous covers too like I I, I hope there's going to be like a nice like set version of these because they're just they're gorgeous looking covers yeah so anyway there's going to be some new eighth doctored audio drama after a short on-screen run the vast majority of the eighth doctor's adventures have been told on, on audio now big finish has announced two new box sets for paul mcgann's doctor set in quote an unexplored era of the doctor's timeline end quote way before the recent time war stories and even before he met lucy miller doctor who the eighth doctor adventures audacity will release this november followed by in the bleak midwinter in december the Doctor will be joined by a new friend from Regency England, Lady Audacity Montague, played by Jane Griffiths. Lady Audacity is like a brilliant name, by the way. 
<laughs> Producer David Richardson had this to say, quote, we're exploring a different era of the Eighth Doctor's adventures when he made a new friend. We're long before Lucy Miller, The Ravenous, Baker Street, or The Time War. More exploration into the Eighth Doctor. Like, I mean, he had some, he's had some really great moments and I'm so glad like Big Finish was able to kind of explore him further. Mm -hmm. So in a TV Doctor Who news, Indira Varma joins the Hooniverse again as the Duchess. Indira Varma is back in the worlds of Doctor Who for Shudi Gatwa's first series as the Doctor. Though she was first involved in the series via her role as Susie Costello in Torchwood, and she continues playing that role in Big Finish's audio series, it has been announced that she will play the mysterious Duchess. The Duchess was first teased as a character in the social media posts revealing the first look at Jonathan Groff's character in the show, captioned, Dress to Impress and Beware the Duchess. Indira Varma had this to say about her new role in Doctor Who. I'm, quote, I'm thrilled to be in Doctor Who and particularly excited to be crossing cosmic paths with Shudi as the Doctor and look forward to creating interplanetary mischief with him. I loved playing Kasuzi Costello for Russell T. Davis and Torchwood, so I am thrilled to be entering this world again. Showrunner Russell T. Davis added, I am overjoyed to be reunited with Andira after our Torchwood days, and this part is truly spectacular. A whole new audience will be hiding behind the Cité when the Duchess unleashes her terror. She has got to be a Time Lord. <laughs> The question is, are we are we talking Master? Are we talking the Ronnie? Are we talking a demented version of the Corsair? Like, I keep thinking about how funny it would be for Russell T. Davis, who famously, you know, killed off the entire planet of Gallifrey to make bringing the show back in 2005 easier and less complicated to then, like, introduce a ton of new Time Lord characters in his first season back. Because <laughs> I'm like, I feel like... <laughs> I just think it would be funny. And I also think it's great that it sounds like Jonathan Groff is probably playing her companion, you know? So it's all very exciting. I didn't even take that in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, can only speculate like who she's going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited to see. She apparently is going to create interplanetary mischief, so... Maybe it's not just Jonathan Groff's episode we'll see her in. I don't know. And then in continuing 60th anniversary Doctor Who's new multi-platform story Doomsday got some new details this week, including a start date and new information on what stories to expect from this 24-hour adventure. Following Doom, an assassin trying to find the Doctor because she thinks the Doctor can save her from death and played by Suze Kempner, each story makes up a chunk of her day. Doom's story starts on June 5th, with the first hour of her 24 hours debuting on the Doomsday website and various Doctor Who social media channels. In chronological order, the remaining stories will be told in Doctor Who Magazine, Titan Comics, Eastside Games, Penguin Random House, another game from Eastside Games, BBC Audio, and Big Finish Productions. The remaining hours will then wrap up on Doctor Who social media this September. Some of the characters that Doom will cross paths with have been revealed too. Titan Comics' contribution to the story, A Doctor in the House, by Jody Hauser. We'll see Doom meet Missy. Extraction Point by M.G. Harris, published by Penguin Random House, will feature the second and ninth Doctors, as well as Slodine. For more information about these releases, you can visit doctorwho.tv slash doomsday. Yeah, so. I don't know. I, I'll probably check out some of it, but, uh, I mean... I didn't dislike Time Lord Victorious. It's just a lot. And it's centered around a character that we don't know much about, which I don't know how that's going to shake out for them. Yeah. 
Let's see. Yeah, and it's a it's kind of inaccessible to some people because it's such a multimedia story that a lot of people are going to be kind of upset that they can access it in one way, but they can't continue the story in another. So I, I don't know how that's going to flush out. Yeah, I mean, at least they're not, because I remember one of the things that Time Lord Victorious did, which is the one that they tried to do, I think back in 2019, 2020, I know that some of it was impacted by the pandemic uh, in terms of release dates and stuff. But um, it, one of the things was that some of the story was told on little information leaflets in action figures, which was a choice. So at least like, the, yeah, so at least the formats are like slightly more accessible, but there's a lot of them. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how it works out. I might, I'll probably check out at least the, the big finish stuff. Yeah possibly the extraction point if I can get that from the library because nine and two meeting seems like that'd be a very interesting combination. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Nine and two. Huh. <laughs> it's like, <"All> right. <laughs> you had a momentary pause. Like, That's not who I would team up. But that sounds like fun. Right, and then in more news, <laughs> and in some more Big Finish news too, the conclusion to Big Finish's Unit Nemesis series is nearly here, and it's been revealed that Unit will once again have to face Missy. Michelle Gomez returns to her role as Missy to once again face off Gemma Redgrave's Kate Stewart and Ingrid Oliver as Osgood. As if the alien Volpreen weren't enough, what remains of Unit faces another formidable adversary. The mercurial Time Lord Missy is on the side of the Volpreen, helping and encouraging them in their ambition to become the rulers of not just Earth, but all of space and time, end quote. The four stories in the conclusion to the series are One Way or Another by John Dorney, Traitor's Gate by Sarah Grochella, the Destiny Labyrinth by Allison Winter, and True Nemesis by Andrew Smith. Unit Nemesis Masters of Time will release this July and is available for pre-order now. And that's the Doctor Who news for the past two weeks. And just some of it, because there was a lot of it. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that is, that, that's quite a bit. All right, so like I said, we are here to talk about season or series, however you want to say it, one of Doctor Who starring Chris Froxton and Billy Piper. Um, so let's jump right into it. Uh, so Dana, what memories do you have of watching this season for the first time? When I was a, when I was a young in, in university, um, I was a huge David Tennant fan, and my friend sat me down and said, hey, you have to watch this show that he's in called Doctor Who. I Googled it, I looked it up, and I was like, uh, I'm not really that big of a sci-fi. I like Star Wars. That's pretty much the extent of sci-fi for me. So reading week comes around, and I, I didn't really have much to do, caught up on all my schoolwork, and I was like, okay, sure, let me, let me get into watching Doctor Who. So I spent the majority of the first episode waiting for David Tennant to show up. <laughs> I started with, started with Rose, was waiting for David Tennant to to show up and to be perfectly honest the the theme song almost put me off immediately because I was like mm, too sci-fi too much but I kept watching and I was like okay okay it got me and before you know it I was finished those episodes within a day I finished it within a day nice the first season what about you what are your early memories of watching the first season 
Oh, I, I did talk about about this a little bit in our first episode that we did because we talked a bit about getting into the show and everything. The two biggest things that kind of pulled me in in the first couple episodes were the doctor's speech about, you know, we're hurtling around the sun at however many miles an hour and we're clinging to the skin of this tiny little world. Um, I just, I got chills watching that for the first time. Like, it's such a good introduction to the doctor as a character I feel like it's just from you kind of get an idea of his perspective and what he's doing especially at that moment in in his timeline and it's such and the music and the way it's shot is just so beautiful (laughs) and then the other thing that pulled me in my sense of humor the way it is Cassandra wheels out this giant jukebox (laughs) and says this is an iPod (laughs) play on and then later in the same episode, let us let us mourn the earth. Let us mourn her with a traditional earth ballad, and it starts playing "Toxic" by Britney Spears. I was like, "Yep, I'm in here. I'm here for it. This Perfect. Is I am going to watch this and love it." I just I, those two things like. If, if there's a good draw for the characters and figuring out what they're about and there's some good humor, I'm there for it, you know? The other very clear memory that I have of watching the show for the first time is when I got to The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances and Nancy says the line about, you need to meet the doctor, and the doctor had this look on his face. And I remember that was the first time I had the thought, there can be more than one doctor. Because I was at least aware of the, the concept of regeneration because I'd seen bits and pieces of other episodes because my aunt and uncle were big Doctor Who fans. And I remember being like, oh, that's so cool. And then it, it wound up not being the doctor that he went to saw, to see. But I remember being like, oh, that's a really cool thing. This character can meet themselves with different faces. And I, you know, because I was aware that there were previous seasons too. So I, that kind of slightly snowballed into like the first classic episode I ever watched was The Five Doctors. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that episode so much. Yes. Yeah, I I was able to get it on DVD from the library. It was like one of the ones that they had. I think I got that and I probably got an Unearthly Child and a couple other ones out. But the first one I popped in the DVD player on my big, huge, giant square TV at the time was was The Five Doctors because I thought that was such an interesting concept. (laughs) Right. So another thing I want to talk about. Nine only got one season, and so we didn't get to meet a lot of old enemies or even old characters. What villain or monster would you like to have seen him go up against? I think it would still have to be the Cybermen mm-hmm. for me. And I know you said that they meet in like a big Finnish audio, but I w- that is something that I would have really liked to have seen on screen. Just him having to face these emotionless like tin cans, <laughs> essentially. And I... I always thought that, you know, Russell T. Davies bringing back, like, the nesting consciousness in, like, the first episode was a choice. I'm not saying the nesting consciousness is a bad villain, but I just thought maybe something a little bit more heavy stakes would have been cool, but that's just my opinion. (laughs) Have you read the novelization of Rose at all that they did? I don't think I've got it marked. I've got my copy right over there, but I don't think I have it marked. One of the like more terrifying updates that they put in there was like the acknowledgement of microplastics and people's bodies and like bloodstream being a, yeah, that's stuck with me since I read that book. Mm, yeah. 
That's terrifying. Have you watched any of the classic episodes with the Nestine consciousness? Um, like I any just, of the Third Doctor stuff? Yeah, I, I three is 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 one of my favorite classic Doctors um, for sure. I've been a hot minute, but I've seen the one with the Nestine consciousness and and the Master, which and the guy got gets eaten. The by Master, him. yeah. <laughs> the chair there yeah it, i mean honestly like for for it being in the 70s mm-hmm. like those special effects are still terrifying yeah and they still kind of hold up if anybody wants to listen to the ninth doctor and cyberman story it is the second and third episodes of the first series of ninth doctor adventures volume four uh doctor who the ninth doctor adventures old friends it is a really great story uh, by Bill. And not only do mm-hmm. you get the Ninth Doctor and Cybermen in a really cool and really unique setting, um, but you also get Sam Bishop, who is a character who features heavily in the unit audio adventures with Kate Stewart and, and Osgood. Um, and you also get the Brigadier in the, in the Doctor reuniting. And it is absolutely beautiful i highly recommend um we are going to have to have a big finish night one of these nights because it is great great amazing bit of bit of doctor who i really loved it um well you had me with with the brigadier so yeah it's 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 a very i've only listened to the episode (laughs) once um when i was kind of doing my prep for because i was on the you know year in review of of non-tv doctor who uh panel at Gallifrey one this past year um and yeah it, it was a, it was a really really special episode and I really loved it um but yeah I I personally think that it would be a lot of fun just in terms of like the angst and the dancing around of the issues that would have to happen if the ninth doctor met Derek Jacoby's war master because Big Finish also does that series. Um, They've already done a little bit of the Master and the Doctor meeting in the wrong order. There is an episode in the War Master series where the Tenth Doctor meets the War Master pre, obviously pre him, you know, doing the whole Bob Watch thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that has a lot of potential. Big Finish, you're welcome to that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe I'm right, I don't know. Um... But I, I think it would be, yes. especially depending on where you put that in his timeline, I think it would be a fascinating look at both of those characters. Um, yeah, so I, I really want Nine and Four. Like, at first I was like, oh, Nine and the Master. I'm like, oh, which Master? Because I'm like, I'm like, Sim's Master is so like, closely tied to David Tennant's Doctor, and Missy is just so bonkers. I don't know how well she would, you know, mesh with kind of the tone of the Ninth Doctor stuff. But I just feel like Derek Jaffe's master mm-hmm. and Chris Rockleson's doctor, I just think would be a great combination. I don't know what would happen in the story. I don't He's... know what the story would be, but I just want to hear those two clash. Like Derek Jacoby's master is so just subtly mm-hmm. evil. Oh my God. Somebody write it. <laughs> I haven't listened to a ton of the War Master stuff, but he is just, oof, he is such a master manipulator. He's terrifying. And terrifying and so 
quietly yeah. is fascinating. Do you remember it? I can't remember which episode of Gallifrey it is when Ramana and him meet. Yes. And they have that little yes. conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just, that like five minutes is just mind boggling to me because I mean, the, Ramana's never met the master before. And I just, I, I loved seeing that interaction. So I, I can't imagine what nine and war master would be like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I also want nine and Ramana to meet. I want Ramana to meet all of the new who doctors. <laughs> Yeah, Romana, <laughs> I did put in a plea for that a little bit on that panel that I was on. <laughs> Where I was like, hey, good night, can Romana and Ten me, please? Because <laughs> it was me and all these big Finnish writers. And I don't know how that happened. I just got put on a panel with a bunch of big Finnish people, and I was like, hey. But yeah, no, yeah. If we're going with strictly villains and, and monsters, Nine and, and Derek Jacobi's master for sure, but also Nine and Romana would be a beautiful thing too. Because I think, especially with Nine, because he's so he's so fresh off the time war, there's all sorts of possibilities. We essentially just want to emotionally rep Nine. Mm-hmm. He goes through a lot. Let's put him through <laughs> some more stuff, right? Yeah, he does. You know, we could sit here and talk about characters that he should be all day long, I'm sure. So how well do you think Rose, both the yeah. character and, and the episode, I suppose, works as an in for the audience who is brand new to the show this season? I think she's perfect because she she's like a self-insert for, for us, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, I mean, she works in a shop, menial mm-hmm. retail job. She's looking for a bit of excitement in her life and she finds it through the doctor. So, I mean, yeah, I think she works so well. Very rarely do I find that show can capture interest so completely, so quickly, but they, Russell T. Davies penned basically a perfect episode, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's my my only little thing that I realized when I was rewatching Rose was I was like, Doctor, you've clearly never worked retail if you think everybody's out of the building right at closing time. Because <laughs> um, he was ready to blow it up as soon as everybody left. I'm like, no, people are still going to be there because people leave huge messes and not everything gets done within five minutes of closing. Thank you, Doctor. Let's, you know, think this one through a little bit. But yeah, same thing as a character and as the episode. It, it, it's a perfect in for the audience because she's a contemporary Earth human character who doesn't know a lot about of sci-fi so you know stuff gets explained to her and it's perfect my only like little tiny little tiny thing is that she has become such a blueprint for the companions that we are so stuck in the contemporary earth companion rut that i wish somebody would do something different it, why it works as a as a device for the show but it it yeah I, I i would really really love it if somebody could do something a little different with the companions i agree and i mean we do have like big finish and there are companions from the future the past the present and i yeah i feel like the the modern day companion for television is just getting a little bit tired and why not mix it up like have a modern day companion and then have somebody from the past yeah 
or from the future. Yeah, I know. I mean, they did it in classic Doctor Who, so. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought we were going to get with 13's trio of companions, but then they all wound up being from, like, the same time and mm-hmm. the same place, but you know, whatever. The thing is, like, because Rose is so iconic, like, everybody keeps following a general similar formula for the companions, but... You know, we'll see. You know, we don't know for sure what Ruby Sunday. I almost called her Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> we don't know what Ruby Sunday is yet. Um, I mean, from bits and pieces of, of filming stills, it, it, it looks like she's probably also likely a contemporary Earth companion. But, you know, we'll see. I'm excited to see what RTD does. So have any of your opinions changed since you first watched this season? Or did you pick up on anything like new when you were rewatching it? This might be a little bit of a controversial take because I do love the episode so much. I love Dalek so much, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we could have kept the Daleks under wraps until the last two episodes of the season. That's that's just me. Like, they're such big villains. Why introduce them so early to bring them back at the end of the season? Like, why not keep it a secret? Mm-hmm. That that would be my one major difference. And also, I was not a, I was not a big fan of the long game and Adam. I, Adam deserved what he got. So. <laughs> I'm glad he only lasted for as long as he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I feel like that that like having him there for like that episode or those two episodes was just kind of useless in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I mean it, it it kind of served its purpose, but yeah, he as a character he's 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 Adam. I mean he's been in a couple comics too. Um though it was really funny watching it. I was sitting there watching the episode because that's one I hadn't watched rewatched in a really long time. I was sitting there thinking, I'm like oh my god, a plot point in this episode is that he needs his mom to not erase the answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is so early. That, that, that answering machine didn't short circuit with the future right. like information that was being flooded into it. Yeah. But sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it, since I watched the first time, I think I appreciated it a little bit more. You can kind of, especially on this rewatch, you can kind of see, even with somebody like RTD, who does make a very conscious effort to be progressive and, you know, nice and good about his representation and how he writes things in stories, like you can still kind of see the early thousands Mm -hmm. stuff in there. Um, which, I mean, shows are going to be products of their time. That's just how it is. But, you know, the, the kind of like the, the fat phobia yes. a little bit with the Slovene and even Rose makes a comment to Mickey about his new girlfriend yeah. in Boomtown. I was like, this is uncomfortable. There's a couple other yeah. things in there, too, where it's just like... It, it was quite great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple other things in there, you know, that it's just like, ah, oh, yikes. Yeah, this is from 2005, and then some of them in a, like, funny way, like, 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 the answering machine being a plot point. So wait, hold on a second. I just thought, isn't Adam from 2012? Because Dalek is set in 2012, not 2005. I am 90% sure Dalek is set in 2012. Yeah, it is set in the future, but I don't remember the year. Like it. The ninth doctor and Rose are drawn by a distress signal to a massive bunker beneath Utah in 2012. 
Uh, how about that? I thought we'd still have answer. I'm, I'm sure there were still people with answering machines in 2012, but oh man. <laughs> <laughs> like another thing that I, I thought about too is there's like some stuff in the show that just kind of hits different since it came out or even since I watched it for the first time because I, I, I first watched Doctor Who for the first time in 2011, I want to say. Um, and so even since then, there's some stuff that hits different. Like I was when I rewatched Rose and I was watching the Autons, you know, shoot up the mall. I was like, oh, you know, or um, there's oh. the, yeah, there's the, the the plot point in the long game about how the news is being manipulated to control the human race, and it's all about the money because they can invest in this other guy who's going to live for a long time. You know, I also thought something else that I had a thought in Bad Wolf, how it is, you know, all the, the the idea was it was all these reality shows on like endless, you know, TV stations. And he was so close because I looked it up. YouTube premiered as a website in February, 2005. So when this episode aired, YouTube was less than six months old. And so when he was writing it, obviously it probably around, but it's so close to kind of what we've not to like completely not YouTube or TikTok or any of these sites, but I mean, that is kind of what happens is, you know, we kind of get on our phones and on our, you know, on our screens and we just watch all this endless content. Some of it nicer than others, you know, hopefully most of it is not to the level of, you know, murdering people for reality TV things. But I mean, there's, there's stuff like prank videos, which are very cruel to the people who are being pranked, you know, and I just, like, I want to write an essay on that, because it is, like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, he was so close, he just got the technology slightly wrong. Like I said, YouTube had been out for less than half a year when the episode aired, so it hadn't, it, he probably wasn't even aware of a, that it was a thing when it was being written or shot, so I would personally really love to see rtd do another version of the long game but with the idea of we've all got these things in our pockets we've all got screens in our in our in our pockets and you know tiktok and youtube and twitter and instagram and everything i think it would be a really interesting thing for him to do like an updated version of that with an understanding of where technology is headed since then so i don't know (laughs) I think, I mean, I feel like he probably does have something like that in his back pocket, mm-hmm. especially with shows that he's written, um, like, years and years. And, I mean, it, it even kind of parallels, like, Black Mirror a little bit. So I, I could definitely see that being a thing in the future. And please write that essay, because I would definitely read that. I feel like it'd be really interesting to go back and watch a bunch of Doctor Who episodes that were set in the future, but are, like once of like years that we have lived since and take a look at what got right and wrong. I don't know. But so what episodes or scenes stand out to you this season for the doctor, the companions, a guest star, any of that, all of that, whatever combination of those questions you want to pick. So obviously like you talked about <laughs> in in the the first episode in Rose, him talking about the rotation of the earth, uh, that is probably one of my favorite speeches, but I think the one at end of the earth, the second episode Mm -hmm. where he's talking about time war, him being a time Lord and his planet being gone and giving Rose a little bit more context. I think that's probably one of my favorite moments. And then, you know, her breaking the ice 
and saying, hey, let's go get some chips and, you know, talk about it and get to know each other. I, I love that. Basically everything in the Unquiet Dead. I love Charles Dickens. I love the historicals so, so much. And I feel like I prefer historicals over like the modern episodes or like the futuristic episodes um, just because you can get funky with it. Also the Empty Child. That is probably like those gas mask zombies are probably the most, one of the most terrifying things yeah. I've ever seen. And the CGI is still, like, I was watching it earlier today, and I was like, what is wrong with Stephen Moffat? <laughs> I love the parents that bring their kids to Galley in the gas mask, because everybody's just, like, subtly terrified. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. I love yeah. seeing the little kids there. I'm like, you scare me. <laughs> <laughs> For Christina, oh my goodness! Um, Christina, who does the uh, the Weeping Angel with her kid, you know, she gets her kid in in the Weeping Angel costume for 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 them. It's so darn cute. Yeah. That's a season three discussion. <clears throat> yeah, well, the one that got me today because um, I decided to watch Father's Day, and I don't know why this was a choice, but Rose having that discussion with her father and him realizing who she is and realizing that he has to essentially die and sacrifice himself for her. And he's like, you know, a lot of people I'm paraphrasing. He's, he said, you know, I got these extra hours with you and how many people can say that. And then he, he goes out and lets the car hit him and she says goodbye. And I was just, I was a mess a couple of hours ago. Yeah. Others hit me different this time watching it too, and I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know. Boomtown is even better than I remembered for starters. It's a good episode, but I don't think I like really appreciated it as much as I could have until this rewatch because I, I tweeted this when I was watching it last night. But I'm like, you're pleading for mercy out of a dead woman's lips. That used to be a real Margaret Blaine. You killed her and stripped her and used the skin. You're pleading for mercy out of a dead woman's lips. It's such a metal line. Like, that is... Holy yes, cow. Yes, it is. Oh. Yeah. I'm like... I know. Jeez, that is... That is a line. I love that line. I just sat... Like, I paused and I had to sit for a minute like... Holy cow. That is a line. And then just the entire discussion that they have is just... It, it's, it's something... It is such a wild episode because it takes these like comedy farting giant green monster aliens from a few episodes ago yeah. and turns them into yeah. this philosophical debate about, you know, punishment and you know, what the right thing to do is and the value of life. And I was just like, oh, wow, okay, this is RTD. Thanks. Especially because I was just like, yeah, you're pleading for mercy out of a dead woman's lips is, is just a crazy line. I love that. Um, it's all here. Yeah. Um, I also really loved any of the moments where we see the doctor express any sort of like, you know, like him, like, like you see shots of him crying. You see shots of him being very, very worried or having self-doubt. Those feel so important especially in a show like Doctor Who where it is sci-fi. I mean, that's a lot down to Christopher Eccleston's acting. I'm sure it is so nice when, you know, a big 
quote unquote strong male character showing those emotions, especially I feel like in early 2000s TV, you know, it'd be rare. And, you know, and for as grumpy as the fandom and people tend to see Nine as, as, you know, as it's kind of accepted that he's one of the grumpy doctors, he makes friends very easily. It's, it's not he dislikes people. It's just that he is one of the doctors that does not suffer fools gladly. Like, as soon as anybody says something stupid, does something stupid, he's done. He's done. He's like, nope, mm-mm, I'm out. Goodbye. I'm not talking to you anymore kind of thing. And then, you know, like we're talking about a little too, Billy Piper's acting in Father's Day is, it's just beautiful, you know, I mean, just everything about that episode. Like, I don't know why it hit me more when I was watching it last night, but it it really did. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I've got, (laughs) there's things that I'm sure that it could be, but just, it's such a good episode. I mean, it's, it's, there's never been a debate. Father's Day is a good episode. You know, we're not breaking any new ground here by saying Father's Day is, is an amazing episode, but just Billy's acting in that, um, mm-hmm. is great. It's, it's, it's a really good episode, <laughs> you know? Um, it is. Yeah. And then, you know, Obviously, the actress who plays Blonfell Foch, I loved everything that she did in Boomtown, obviously. But also, I had kind of forgotten about Penelope Wilton as Harriet Jones until I got to World War Three and Aliens of London. Ah, oh, Harriet Jones. Yeah. I love her. I think I told you, I remember. Jones. I, I think I messaged you about this when I watched Down Abbey for the first time. Sometimes I don't always recognize actors or actresses from the way when I watch something new I usually have to go on IMDB and be like why do I know this face why do I know this name I knew who she was immediately because like the second she's in she introduces herself obviously she doesn't introduce herself as Harriet Jones she introduces herself as uh, I can't remember her character's name now from Downton Abbey but I'm like hey it's Harriet Jones (laughs) yeah she will forever be associated with that character exactly and then it, it was cute, too, because, like, you know, she has a little thing that she says about cottage hospitals. I'm like, oh, that's, like, her character in Downton Abbey as well. I'm like, this is cute. I love it. So what, if anything, if you could change anything about this season, what would you change, again, if anything? If anything. If anything. I think, like I said, probably keeping the Daleks a secret a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But otherwise pretty flawless in my opinion yeah for sure i should also mention that by the time we got to what's the last episode called is it the parting of ways i knew nothing about regeneration when i watched it yeah so i was like so oh there's david tennant (laughs) i don't know if i like him though (laughs) yeah no I, i i was kind of aware of the concept because again in my wild how i got into doctor who's story one of the episodes that I'd seen bits and pieces of is in the impossible astronaut for the first time because my grandparents had recorded on their DVR for them. So I was aware that regeneration was a thing <laughs> because they freaked out and I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else. Goodbye, you know, kind of thing. So I was kind of aware of it as a concept, I think, cause I'd seen stuff online about it too, you know, but yeah, I had the same thing where I'm like, who are you and why are you here? Bring me, bring me the other guy back. You know? But then as I will probably talk about next week, season two, he quoted the Lion King and I gave him my entire heart. So <laughs> I think parting of the, I think I remember one of the little trivia things that I've seen is um, that parting of the ways 
is also the title of the chapter that the character that David Tennant plays in the Harry Potter movies is first in and in the books, which I think is an interesting little bit of trivia. I remember that being a thing that I read somewhere, but I've never, I've never read the Harry Potter books. So, but yeah, apparently that's a thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, so apparently the character that he plays in the Harry Potter movies, the first chapter that that character's in is called Parting of the Ways, which I think is a cool little bit of trivia, even though I never got into Harry Potter as a kid. So, yeah, but for me, um, minus, minus some uh, people who were involved in the show who later came, were outed as very problematic and outright predatory in some cases. Yeah, for the most part, it's a perfect season, you know? I mean, uh, you know, to talk about it a little bit, like, I would have loved to have more stories with Mickey Smith. I remember when the the Dimension Canon series first started coming out from Boom Finish, when we first started getting news about that, and, like, her kind of companion character was going to be Clive Finch and not Mickey Smith. I remember being like, for why? But then, you know, a few years later, everything came out, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, thank you for not involving him in that kind of thing. Um, I, but I do, it's unfortunate that, like, it would have to be a book about Mickey to completely remove all of that, everything from the character. Um, because I do, I think he's an interesting character and it's unfortunate because, you know, I mean, it's more unfortunate for the woman that he preyed on. Like, I will be very clear about that. I, but I, it's unfortunate that that's not an er a corner of Doctor Who that can be explored further because he rightly needs to not work with those people anymore ever because of what he did. Um, Put it out there hopefully that doesn't sound like a horrible statement but yeah um yeah it's much more important that the, that the people that he wronged get justice for sure um versus me being like i want to know more about this character but yeah this is because mickey's such a sweet character himself like he's mickey smith is right about stuff mickey is kind of like an early prototype of rory williams i feel like and, 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 you know, again, he's an interesting character. It's, it's what it is. Um, yeah, but overall, a very amazing season. Another thing that I was thinking about is, like, as much as I would have preferred the working environment on the show to be such that Christopher Eccleston could have stayed on for another season and that we could have gotten more of his doctor on screen, I don't know that the show would still be around like it is now if we hadn't immediately gotten a regeneration at the end of the first season of the revival season of the revival series, the, the show kind of thrives on change. And I think getting the audience used to that change early on, because you can't use another, because at, at that point he's, he considers himself, he's the only time Lord left apart from, you know, maybe there's some other ones scattered about in various states of knowing if they're time Lords or not, you know? Um, yeah, I would have loved to see more of him on screen as the Doctor, but I, I don't know that the show would have been as popular as it was. I'm not saying because of David Tennant. I'm just saying because of that change that you get at the end of the season that introduces people who might not have been super familiar with the format and the, you know, overall story of the show. If they hadn't had that changeover, again, not necessarily because of David Tennant, David Tennant. I'm sure helped some of the popularity of the show. I think Chris Wackelson was also a very popular actor, but 
Um, yeah, I think you, you knew it was kind of important not to get audiences stuck on a version of the doctor that early on, if that makes any sense. No, no, it makes complete sense. And you're right, the show does thrive on change. And I think that was, I mean, it is unfortunate that we didn't get more of nine, but I think the show needed that boost. Mm -hmm in whatever capacity it came in. So, I, I mean, it worked out for the better because yeah. we're still talking about Doctor Who yeah. over, is it like 20 years later? We're coming up on 20 because okay, the first season of The Revival came out in 2005. It's 2023 now. So, yeah, we're coming up on 20 years. Yeah, so overall, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect season. Like, I really, there's not, apart, again, from the comedy farting aliens i don't have many like things where i'm sitting there like oh you know because even characters like adam who were jerks served a purpose within the story where it's like hey this is kind of like you know here here's another version of a character that could be traveling with a doctor and here's why he does not travel with people like this kind of thing like all the episodes are so good all the stories are so good you know even though sometimes the cgi is a little rough it works. But then you balance that with the utterly terrifying move that they did on the CGI of gas masks growing out of people's skulls. <laughs> it kind of haunts me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'd, I'd also like to point out that, you know, it also gave us like the very, very beginnings of Torchwood. Because we have Gwyneth in The Unquiet Dead, mm -hmm. and then we also have Tosh mm -hmm. in Aliens of London. So, like, those little seeds are starting to be planted, and then we get Captain Jack. So, it's, I mean, yeah, like, you can see that Russell was trying to build something, like, right from the right from the beginning. I'm very interested to see what kind of spinoffs he's planting the seeds for this time around. Because there's been all sorts of rumors about there being... So I'll be interested to see. I don't know if Doctor Who will be at San Diego Comic-Con this year, but if they are, hopefully they got something good. I mean, I don't know what San Diego Comic-Con's even going to look like this year with the writer's strike and possibly sag after a and director's strike. San Diego Comic-Con might not look anything. You know, they, they all need to get what they need to get. I fully support them. But yeah, no, it'll be a very different show, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll still go on. I don't think they cancel it with the amount of money they pour into that thing. Thing. I feel like that would make because Doctor Who is a UK production and I don't like I don't know how if or how any of the contracts for that stuff has changed because if they're doing it in conjunction with Disney Plus now I don't know if they're bound by WGA or or SAG after or any of that stuff <laughs> but if anything it would it, you know it, it would mean that maybe Doctor Who would have to have one of the bigger panels versus like you know hopefully hopefully the writers, the directors, the actors all get what they deserve, get the payment that they deserve, get the protections from stuff like AI that they deserve. And hopefully they, you know, are cognizant of the fact that they would really be shooting themselves in the foot if they don't get that figured out at Comic-Con. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's, I feel like there's more of a chance of them being at New York Comic-Con than San Diego Comic-Con, because at least they have more time to prepare. But yeah, New York Comic-Con put out their like initial like guest list the other week and it is already crazy because like Ewan McGregor, Chris Evans, Jodie Whittaker, David Tennant, Karen Gillan, Michael Rooker, you know, a bunch of people. 
this is, you know, this is pure speculation. Let's make that very clear right now. But David Tennant's run of Macbeth ends three days before Gallifrey won next year. And Galley tends to be cheaper for photos. So <laughs> I'm probably going to hold off. <laughs> well, we shall see. I would absolutely love it. It would be. He's cool. never done a Gallifrey one, has he? No, I mean. Georgia did one a few years ago, um, and she she and David stayed at a different hotel, which is probably the smart move. But no, he hasn't come to a Gallifrey one yet because it's it's only been recently that Galley's gotten new Who doctors. Like they've gotten new Who companions in, but like the first new Who doctor that they got was John Hurt. Um, John Hurt came one year, and then obviously in 2020 we had Christopher Eccleston, and then last year we or this year you know this past year we had Jodie Whittaker. So. Yeah, I'm living in hope. hope. Galley always gets amazing guests, but Galley would be amazing even without the guests, I feel like. So, but yeah, David Tennant will be at New York Comic Con a little over a month before the 60th anniversary stuff starts on TV. So I am hoping, very much hoping, because New York Comic Con has done Dr in the past. Um, I think the only reason we didn't get a Doctor Who panel at New York Comic Con last year was because it's usually run more, more by BBC America than BBC. And I think BBC America, because they weren't going to be airing the show anymore, were like, nah, we're good. We're not going to spend the money to put that on anymore. Um, so here's hoping Disney likes New York Comic Con because I would very much, very, very much <laughs> like to see that yeah so yeah so for 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 the listeners at home we are going to be covering one season or series whatever you want to call it of doctor who roughly about every other week leading up to november i did the math and if we do an episode on a series of doctor who every other week we will kind of butt up right to november so yeah join us as we're talking more about other seasons other episodes will be coming out too about other topics so one of the slightly silly things that i decided would be a funny bit <laughs> for the end of the podcast is i have a link on my browser that give me a random tardis wiki page and then i will read a fact from it because i just thought that was something silly to do this this is a long long page for a character an alien that i do not know how to pronounce their name because it is from sarah jane adventures which i've not watched yet Arcatinians adopted a humanoid form to maintain their ship on any planet with a stronger gravitational field than their own. They required large amounts of energy. Their internal structure could be seen faintly through their skin. They, they had tendril hair on the top of their head and on their backs. They had five long slender fingers and a blue tint to their skin. Some Arcatinians had wings enabling them to fly. And the source for that is uh, TV, the Greeks bearing gifts and invasion of the Bane. I highly recommend you watch the Sarah Jane Adventures. It's a fun time. It's cheesy, but it, it's a fun I time. have watched the episodes where the ten and eleven are in. I don't know if they're. I don't know if that made it the migration over to to Max. And HBO Max is no longer. It's just Max. That's all for this episode of Temple Geeks Who Review. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on social media for more Doctor Who content. You can find me at LOT Cosplay most places. Dana, where can they find you again? They can find me on Twitter at a bit and on Instagram with the same handle. 
You can find Temple of Geek on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram as at Temple of Geek. You can also visit templeofgeek.com for Doctor Who cosplay guides, episode reviews, news, and more. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.